Hi, my name is Annie Grossman, and I'm a dog trainer. This podcast is brought to you by School for the Dogs, a Manhattan-based facility I own and operate along with some of the city's finest dog trainers. During this podcast, we'll be answering your questions, geeking out on animal behavior, discussing pet trends, and interviewing industry experts. Welcome to School for the Dogs podcast. Hello, humans. Thank you for tuning in to School for the Dogs podcast. This is Annie. (laughs) Some of you know I had a baby. Um almost a month ago, and um, I've been trying to find the perfect time to report, record this podcast all day, and uh, waiting for her to take a nap, or <laughs> at least be quiet for a while, and um, I finally decided I just needed to do it while feeding her a bottle, so... If you hear adorable little sucking and gurgling noises, that is my daughter who is uh, a foot away from the microphone, guzzling down some milk. Um, So sorry, sorry about that extra noise, but maybe we can just pretend that uh, baby Magnolia here is uh, my (laughs) co-host. Listen to these adorable sounds. This, you can't you can't make this kind of stuff up. And that, and that was my dog snorting. Anyway, of course, if you enjoy this podcast, just want to remind you that um, you can help me out by sharing it with your dog-loving friends. You can do this in multiple ways. You can take a picture of your podcast player and share it on social media via your stories or on your feed. To let other dog lovers know that this is out there. If you uh, tag School for the Dogs, <laughs> if uh, if you tag School for the Dogs, we will go ahead and share it in our stories too. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Very much appreciated. I love reading your iTunes reviews. It really helps me figure out what you find interesting and what I can offer more of. And uh, if you have a question, you can. Uh, send a direct message on Instagram. You can also go to AnnieGrossman.com slash ask, and uh, I will do my best to respond. So today I wanted to go over how to teach your dog to lie down. And as I mentioned in the episode I did a few months ago on teaching a dog to sit, obviously lying down is something your dog already knows how to do. Your dog lies down all the time. The trick is, of course, to teach your dog to lie down when you ask him or her to do it. So it's really just about adding a cue to a behavior your dog already knows. And um, like many dog trainers, I tend to use the word cue instead of the word command. Although uh, if you want to say command instead of cue, that's okay with me. Um, But we use the word cue instead of the word command because you're really giving your dog the opportunity to do something for which they can be rewarded as opposed to uh, 
the word command, which sort of suggests you must do this or else something bad is going to happen, and um, which is an example of negative reinforcement, encouraging a behavior um, because you're going to uh, take something away from a dog rather than encouraging a behavior because you're going to give your dog something, which is exactly what a positive reinforcement is. So um, how do we add a cue to a behavior like down? Well, I'm going to give you um, two methods. One method relies on luring, and um, I like teaching some things using luring because a lot of people just sort of naturally lure their dog. So when you're adding a cue to go together with a lure, um, sometimes it's just, it's a little bit easier, especially if you've already been luring your dog. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about what a lure is in a moment. Um, the other way is pure capturing. And um, capturing is when you're waiting for a behavior to happen and then you're marking that behavior with a clicker or a marker word. I usually use the word yes. So let's talk about how to simply capture a down first and then how to add a cue to uh, that behavior. So I suggest finding a place in your home where your dog is comfortable and is likely to lie down anyway, uh, whether that's on a bed or on uh, even the sofa. Any place is fine if it's a place where your dog has a history of lying down and getting comfortable. All you're going to do is get some treats ready to go. I like putting my treats in uh, my left hand or whatever your non-dominant hand is. If you're going to have a clicker uh, for this exercise, you should put the clicker in that same hand. But make sure the treats that you're using are not readily visible. You don't want your dog to be too aware of the presence of the treats until after um, your dog hears the click. Or like I said, you could use the word yes. Um, and then all you're going to do is wait for your dog to lie down. How easy is that? So probably wise to do this at a time of day where there's not a whole lot going on, where your dog is well rested, maybe after a good long walk, where there's not a lot of distractions around. And uh and you should be pretty boring because you're not trying to encourage your dog to do this. You're simply waiting for your dog to do it. And that's what's so nice about the, the click or your marker word is that gives your dog the information. That was the thing that I wanted you to do. So the second your dog lies down on, on his or her own, you're going to click or use your marker word. And then you're going to follow that with a treat. Um, now, as, uh, as I've talked about on previous episodes, when you're using a clicker or a marker word, you don't have to use a treat that's edible. Uh, the treat could be a game of fetch. It could be just praising your dog lavishly. Um, and when I say, you know, a, a food reward, it doesn't have to even be anything extra special. Some dogs are, uh, great at training just for their regular dry food. In fact, uh, my dog becomes much more interested in his regular dry food when we're training. <laughs> For some reason, it takes on much more value than if I just dump a whole bunch of it in a bowl. But I think it becomes like uh, points in a game that he's winning rather than just uh, food that's being presented to him. Um, 
But I do think when you're teaching down, it's generally better to use um, some kind of uh, food reward rather than tossing a ball or something like that, just because you're trying to teach something that is essentially a behavior that your dog does uh, when he or she is relaxing. So it can be um, kind of counterintuitive in the beginning, at least, to be rewarding the behavior with something uh, that's going to cause your dog to be active, like throwing a ball. Also, you're just going to be able to get more repetitions in if you are using some sort of food reward, since it's faster to deliver that than to reward each rep with uh, play or something like that. And as always, it's important when you're using any kind of uh, food reward, in most situations, you want to use something your dog is going to be able to chew and swallow really quickly. So you want to make sure that you're using something very small. You also want to use something that's not going to crumble up a whole lot because you don't want your dog wasting time in between repetitions searching for uh, crumbs that have fallen. Um, so pick something that's going to break up easily into very small pieces like a pinky nail size or even smaller than that is a good good place to start. Um, I like to use lamb lung. Uh, we use um, a lot of Tricky Trainers, which is a Cloud Star brand treat at School for the Dogs. One Tricky Trainer, they're about the size of pencil erasers. You can break one of those up into probably five or six little pieces. Or like I said, you can just uh, use kibble if you're not in a very distracting environment. Um, if you're somewhere more exciting, you probably want to use something more exciting, but you could use kibble and you can even break break up some pieces of kibble into uh, half the size of like half a piece of kibble or a quarter of a piece of kibble. So you got your, uh, your treat ammunition. You have your nice chill place where you're going to hang out with your dog. You can even sort of pen off an area so your dog doesn't have too much of a chance to wander around. And then you're just going to wait for your dog to lie down. The second your dog lies down, you're going to click or use your marker word, and then you're going to follow that with a treat. And I suggest delivering the treat either about a foot in front of your dog, just far enough away that your dog is going to have to get up to go get the treat, or you can deliver it over your dog's head high enough that your dog is going to have to get up into a sit position in order to get the treat. Again, you don't want to waste time in between repetitions, so I don't want you to toss a treat to the other side of the room. You're just strategically placing it in a spot where you're resetting your dog to now be able to lie down again. So just to back up a little bit, you might want to test how your dog understands your cue for down if you've already worked on down with your dog before you start this exercise because the steps that I've outlined so far you're not offering any kind of cue you're just waiting for your dog to lie down we're at the capturing stage of this exercise but if you've already worked on down with your dog you can start from the beginning which is where we are right now um, however it still might be useful to figure out what your dog understands and you can do this by giving your cue, and I would 
suggest either recording yourself uh, on a video or having a friend watch you. Uh, if you're giving a verbal cue, like the word down, I want you to try and say it with as little, as little body language as possible. I find that often, and I'm guilty of this myself, we think we're giving a dog a verbal cue and actually we get into the habit ourselves of helping out or thinking at least that we're helping out with all kinds of uh, physical prompts. Often for lying down, that can mean pointing, that can mean leaning over a dog, and uh, none of this is necessarily bad. I think it's just a good thing to know in the beginning when you're starting out where where your dog is getting information. Is your dog watching what you're doing with your body or is he listening to your words? Or is he just guessing? You know, a lot of the time uh, I see people working on down with their dog and they tend to cue sit and then they cue down and the dog learns I sit for a minute or a few seconds really and then I lie down and your dog isn't even the dog isn't even paying attention to anything you're saying or doing your dog has just learned first I sit and then I lie down again not a bad thing it's just good to know that this is your dog's pattern and that your dog has learned first sit then lie down so if you notice that you are giving physical cues in addition to your verbal cues try separating them will your dog lie down if you hold as still as possible, maybe lean up against a wall or have a friend uh, hold your hands down at your sides. Will your dog respond and lie down if you just say the word down? Um, or do your physical cues and will your dog respond to that even if you don't say the word down? And if you have a dog who tends to sit and then lie down, um, see if uh, you say the word sit or give whatever your sit cue is and then see if your dog will lie down without you uh, cueing that at all. So just, just sort of to know where you are. Again, you can always teach a behavior from scratch. So whatever your conclusion is from this little test, you can still start from scratch and you're just gonna work on capturing. And I would suggest you don't start adding any kind of cue until your dog is um, reliably lying down on his or her own eight to 10 times in a minute. You really want your dog to have figured out, oh, I understand, I, I know how to train my human, all I need to do is lie down and I get a click and a treat. It's really only at that point that you're gonna start to add any kind of cue. And let's say your cue is the word down, the way you're gonna do it is as your dog starts to lie down, you're gonna say the word down. You're only gonna say it one time, and in the beginning, you're not asking your dog to do it, you're just sort of telling your dog, hey, that thing that you're doing right now, we're, we're now gonna to agree to call that down. So you're waiting for your dog to lay down, you're saying the word down as your dog starts to lie down, and then the second your dog lies down, you're gonna click, and then you're gonna give the tree either a little bit in front of your dog, so your dog has to get up to get it, or just above your dog so your dog has to sit in order to get it. And what's nice about giving it above your dog's head so your dog has to sit in order to get it is your dog's butt is gonna stay in the same position the whole time. And really, when your dog's butt is down, when your dog is in a sit, your dog is in sort of like half of a down, right? Like butt down is, is half the body. 
Uh, so it's just going to be easier to get more repetitions if your dog is already kind of halfway in a sit rather than waiting for your dog to um, go find the tree, come back, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Now, of course, we can later on work on having your dog learn to go from a stand to a down versus from a sit to a down. But right now, I don't care too much uh, whether your dog is going from a stand or a sit to a down. So you're giving the cue when they're uh, getting this eight or 10 times, uh, eight or 10 reps in a minute. Um, then what you're going to start to do is say it a little bit early. So when you would gamble 10 bucks, your dog is going to lie down in the next 10 seconds, let's say, that's when, when you're going to start giving your cue. And you're only ever allowed to say your cue once. I don't want you saying it over and over. Uh, so that's why we try and make sure that the dog is going to do the behavior before we start adding the cue. Now I know this can seem like, well, the dog's not doing it because I'm saying it, the dog was going to do it anyway. And yeah, exactly. That's fine. But we're in the, we're, we're in the stage of just pairing the word with the behavior. The word is not eliciting the behavior right now. We're just teaching them that it's like a cue that if you do the behavior after I say this word, something really good is going to happen. Like I said, your dog already knows how to lie down. Your dog lies down all the time. But the element that we're introducing is if you do it when I hold up this flag, the flag being the word down, there is good stuff in store for you. And that's pretty much always the process of adding a cue. You should only ever be giving a cue if you are pretty sure it is going to elicit the behavior. If you're unsure, uh, if you think you might have to repeat it, then you should start from the beginning and go pair the cue with the behavior again, giving the cue when your dog is basically, like as your dog is lying down. You can always start from scratch in that way. All right, I now want to talk about how you can add a cue uh, to a lord down if you've already been lowering a down or if you just want to try a different method. I suggest uh, following these steps. And when I teach a down in this way, I actually prefer using a visual cue uh, first, although you can add a verbal cue later on. I'll talk about how to do this. The visual cue I like to use is my hand up kind of like a, a low hand raise. Like you're raising your hand in class, but not all the way up. You're just gonna bend your arm at your elbow and hold it up so that like your knuckles are at your shoulder, your hand is open. And uh, I suggest using your dominant hand, for me, my, that's my right hand, because your treats are, and if you're using a clicker, your clicker are still both gonna be in your other hand. So a lot of people, when they lure a down, do this kind of, like I call it, like a modern dance move uh, or some sort of like Freddie Mercury move where they start up high and then they point down low to the ground uh, in a dramatic way and uh, their dog follows their finger. Um, perfectly fine, but generally I like my cues to be as subtle as possible. I like cues that I can give from a distance if need be. And um, I find that this sort of hand up 
Q is uh, is easier for both those reasons. Easier to give at a distance, and it's more subtle. And you don't have to totally uh, let go of your habit of doing your dramatic uh, pointing to the ground move just yet. We're gonna we're gonna build that in to uh, this exercise before we totally get rid of it. So what you're gonna do is stick a little treat in between your fingers. So again, I want your hand to be totally open, but if uh, if you wanna try luring with a bit of a food lure, you're going to put it between like your first, your, your uh, pointer finger and uh, your middle finger, or if you prefer between your middle finger and your ring finger. If your dog has a really good hand touch uh, and knows how to follow your hand, you might not need to do this, but if your dog is used to following food in your hand, this is the way I suggest doing it. And another reason why I suggest doing it this way rather than sort of just pinching the food in your hand, which might feel more natural, is one problem of luring is that we humans get stuck sort of in the habit of luring. We tend to lure dogs long after they need the lure and uh, we get attached to it uh, and sort of attached to giving them more help than they need. This is why you often see people training their dogs with, like I call it, like the the the, the teardrop hand or like the mamma mia hand, their hands pinched together uh, finger to fingers to thumb as if they have a treat in their hand sort of tricking their dog to think that they have a treat an invisible treat in the hand um, I find having a flat hand and just sort of hiding the treat uh, in the hand is a good way to get away from that also we're not going to be using treats more than a couple for a couple of reps here uh, a reason to get away from using treats early on is because you don't want to always have treats on you the more training you do the 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 fewer times you're actually going to be rewarding your dog with a food uh, reward the reward eventually is going to be variable sometimes it's going to be you know good boy buddy sometimes it's going to be like i said tossing a ball or playing a game or or just the opportunity to do another behavior that your dog likes. In the beginning, we lean on food a lot more, but it's going to be easier to get away from using food if the food is not always present. So I suggest hiding the food. Let Your dog's going to be able to see it a little bit, smell it a little bit. It's not too obvious. You have your hand knuckles to your shoulder, hand up, and uh, I want you to start your dog for this exercise in a seated position. I don't care really how you get your dog into a sit. I would just do it um, as painlessly as possible. If your dog has a really good sit, ask your dog to sit. If you need to um, hold something over your dog's head to get your dog's butt to the ground, that's fine. I don't want you asking your dog to sit a million times. If your dog uh, can do it on the first time, that's great, but this exercise isn't about that. It's just about figuring out how to get your dog's butt on the ground. Like I said, that's half of a down. Once your dog's butt is on the ground, and I should say, just like with the other version of teaching down, I suggest having uh, your dog for this exercise in a, in a chill environment. You don't want a lot of distractions going on. If you need to do it in a penned area, that's fine. You can even do it while your dog's in a crate. Actually, that can be a really good way um, to get the behavior happening with, uh, with a lot of frequency because your dog isn't going to have a lot of chance to wander around. Um, and certainly if you hold something over the top of the crate, that's probably going to get your dog's uh, butt to go down because usually when their head is up, their butt goes down. Um, 
So uh, you are going to have your little bit of food in your hand, hand up. And now what I want you to do is make the shape, it's kind of the shape of the number two. You're gonna start with your hand right above your dog's head and I want you to sort of trace downwards. You're gonna sort of tra trace your dog's chest all the way to the ground and then you're gonna go sort of into their chest a little bit as you hit the ground and then you're gonna pull your hand towards you horizontal to the ground to sort of like uh, parallel I should say to the ground and uh, most often your dog's nose is going to be following your hand and is your dog's body is going to slide into a down. You might need to try this a few times. You might need to try it at sort of different paces. Um, <clears throat> if your dog pops up out of the sit, I suggest putting your hand behind your back, sort of doing a, you know, restart of the game. But again, what you're doing is starting up at your dog's head and then bringing your hand down, tracing your dog's chest. I find it can be helpful to push in. That's sort of where it starts to look like a number two, sort of the curved bottom of the two going in and then pulling your hand towards you. The second your dog's elbows hit the ground, that's when you're gonna click or say your marker word like yes. <clears throat> and then you're gonna deliver your treat in the seated position again. Again, we're just trying to reset the dog so that your dog is gonna be able to get lots of repetitions in a row and is already halfway in that down position. You wanna try and do this very quickly. Like I said, we're trying to get as many reps in a minute as we can. And like I said, I want you to try and get rid of the food lore as quickly as possible. So I suggest doing this with a little bit of a, of a treat in your fingers, only like three, four times maximum, and then see if your dog will do it with just your open hand. So once you've done this maybe 10 or 12 times, or you can take a break and, and do a couple rounds, um, but I find you don't have to do too many rounds till you can try the next step. The next step is simply holding up your hand, just like you were doing before, but I want you to hold it there for an extra beat. So before you start making that two shape, before you start putting your hand over your dog's head and bringing it down, you're just gonna hold your hand up in that, like you're raising your hand in class position for like three seconds. And uh, you'll be amazed how quickly your dog is gonna understand, oh, I think this means that she wants me to lie down. Dogs are very good at trying to predict the future, is how I see it. And your dog is going to figure out faster than you expect. Gosh, you know what? Every time she holds up her hand like that, she then does that thing where I lie down and then she gives me a click and a treat. So I might as well cut to the chase and I don't need her to do that whole down to the ground with her hand thing. I'm just gonna do it as soon as I see her hand go up. I really love doing this method of uh, teaching down with clients, uh, especially with, with puppy owners who've never taught their dog down before because it can seem like magic. It's amazing how quickly dogs get this. I've seen so many dogs get it like on, on the fourth or fifth try. Uh, I just start holding my hand up a little bit longer and uh, they plop into that down position and seem so proud of themselves and so excited. And then the owners get all excited too. Um, it's a lot of fun and uh, it's a good um, 
reminder, I think, of how tuned in dogs are to what we want and how good they are at, uh, at figuring things out. Now, one behavior can have multiple cues. If you want to add a verbal cue to this behavior, uh, you always give the new cue first. So you're gonna say the word down and then hold up your hand. And uh, just like your dog began to predict every time she holds up her hand, she then clicks and treats me for lying down, your dog is going to take that next leap and realize after a few reps, every time she says the word down, she then does that thing with her hand, which means I should lie down. So I should probably just lie down as soon as she says the word down. The key is to not give your verbal cue and your visual cue at the same time. You want to separate the two things. And if you're trying to add that verbal cue, you're going to give the verbal cue first. Again, not repeating it, just saying it one time. Now, like anything else that you train your dog to do, once you've uh, got it down in that sort of low stress, quiet environment where you've been practicing, you want to try it in a new room. You maybe want to try it outside. Uh, try it with a new person doing it. Uh, it's all the process of generalizing the behavior. And when you take it to a new environment or do it with a new person, uh, you start from scratch. You're, you're setting your dog up for success by uh, what, what Karen Pryor calls going back to kindergarten. So when you've been practicing in your kitchen and now you're going to be practicing in your living room, you're going to go back maybe to saying down as your dog is lying down instead of saying it a little bit before. Or if you're uh, doing the hand lore, you know, maybe in, in the kitchen you were able to do it without any food in your hand, uh, but in the living room you're going to do a couple reps with some food in your hand. Uh, before you start raising the, the level of difficulty. Now, other things can become cues too, besides just words or uh, visual things that you're going to be doing with your body. One of my favorite cues for teaching down is using a mat. Um, you can teach your dog that uh, whenever he sees a mat on the ground, uh, it could be your, your specific training mat, that means your dog needs to lie down. Uh, and you're simply going to do this by adding a cue, just like we added the word down to the hand signal. Once your dog goes to the mat, you're going to give your cue that your dog has learned uh, already uh, for down. And soon your dog is going to anticipate it. Gosh, every time I go to the mat, my human gives me that down cue. So as soon as I go to the mat, I might as well just do it there anyway. In lieu of a mat with my dog Amos, I like to use a piece of paper. Um, I find this is really useful because it's a good way to put him exactly where I need him to be in pretty much any situation. I can find some kind of uh, rectangular piece of paper, be it just an envelope or a napkin or a menu, even if I need to. Uh, and I call it his sticky spot. He knows every time I see that uh, there's a piece of paper on the ground, I need to go lie on it, which is sometimes funny because sometimes if there are papers just strewn on the ground, um, <laughs> he will go around and lie on the different pieces of paper to, uh, to see if it gets any result. So give it a go and let me know how this goes with your dog. I will try and uh, do a demonstration video in our Facebook group, which is at facebook.com slash groups slash uh, school for the dogs 
And um, if you listened to last week's episode with Jessica Jacobson, uh, I wanted to mention that you can check out her manual on getting your dog ready for uh, your baby. Um, It's on storeforthedogs.com. And through next Monday, that's uh, February 11th, we are giving away copies for free via email. Just go to uh, storeforthedogs.com and search for um, the baby book. Or you can go to schoolforthedogs.com slash baby book and it'll bring you right there. And at checkout, use the discount code free baby book. It's a nice little manual that Jessica wrote up. I think it has some great tips in it. Woof shout out this week goes to my dog, Amos, who you heard snoring earlier in this episode. Uh, Lots of great sound effects in this episode. He has so far been a really excellent big brother. The cutest thing he's been doing is sleeping under the baby's bassinet. I I call it their bunk beds. Quite, quite adorable. Our fun fact, fun dog fact of the week. Uh, As you might know, Westminster is next week, the dog show in New York City. And you might be interested to know that there are two new breeds that they've welcomed to Westminster this year. One is a French breed, the Grand Basset Griffin Von Dien, and the other is a Dutch breed called the Quakerhund, which uh, was actually featured in some of Rembrandt's paintings, which uh, I thought was kind of cool. Anyway, I'm hoping to go to Westminster next week, maybe podcast from there. If there's anything specific you're curious to know about Westminster, um, let me know. You can email me at podcast at schoolforthedogs.com or send a direct message on Instagram. You can find us there at School for the Dogs. Thanks so much for listening. You can support School for the Dogs podcast by telling your friends about it, leaving a review, or shopping in our online store. You can learn more about us and sign up to get lots of free training resources when you visit us online at schoolforthedogs.com.